Show number 61 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. So when we get all excited about something, we should probably save it for the show. (laughs) Like we just did right now. (laughs) Yeah, but we can get excited over and over again. That's true. That's the wonderful thing about being us. We do get excited about things over and over and over again. That's because William Shatner is the gift that never stops giving. (laughs) Well, this is show number... Whoops. Show number whoops? I'm sorry. I had to move the microphone. It's show number 61. Wow. Wow. Amazing. And um, we have, as usual, a million Bill things to talk about because Bill does everything all the time. (laughs) So uh, let's let's do some newsy things. I have a couple things that I wanted to, to share right away before I forget. Okay. The first thing, I forgot to tell you about this. Oh. This was a Christmas gift. And I'll, I'll tell you more about it. Um, but first I want to show it to you. Um, it's these little... <laughs> no face for her. Oh, my God. Isn't this the best thing? They're little um, self-contained envelopes that you could write in. It's kind of like when you go abroad when you get airmail things. Yeah. And they want to make it as light as possible. And so it all folds up, and it's got space on the inside, and then it has this beautiful picture of Kirk and Kirk Light on the back. And, you know, you would, like, tape it together. It's got the little Starfleet emblem on the top, and then these are the things that you use to oh, seal it up. Oh. Little heart-shaped um, stickers. Who makes this? Well, who do you think would make it? Hallmark? (laughs) (laughs) They were made especially for me by Greg. (gasps) Isn't this the best thing ever? I don't want to use them. (laughs) You could send me some. Maybe I will send you something, but I just thought this was so thoughtful and so cute. You know, for someone who's really just some guy, (laughs) he's so... Clever and thoughtful and talented and, oh, I love it totally. And you put it in this little box and everything. Just so great. Wow. <laughs> that picture, and he picked the wonderfulest picture of Bill to be on the back. Yeah. Oh, look at his hair. I know. Oh, I'm loving he's it. Got, he's got Kirk Light going on. He's got the little smile. Yeah. Just a little smile. So I'm going to scan and this in. And his eyes are like soft and sexy. They are. I oh. will scan this so everybody can see how cool this is. And then you could all wish that you had this for your own self. I already do. Good work. <laughs> Good work, So that was, that was belated. This I did get this at Christmas time, and I had just sort of forgotten to tell you. Oh. Even though it was right up there on my kitchen counter waiting for me. Oh. So that was just... That's fantastic. Merry Christmas to you. Again. Again. Um, Let me read this piece of email because this is very funny. We got email from a guy named Mike C. And he calls himself Mike from the UK. And he says, um, Long-time listener to your show and all-around fan of Bill, although not to the same degree as you two girls. (laughs) Well. I just wanted to pass on... My thanks for talking about an early movie Bill did called The Intruder. It was on a UK satellite channel the other night, so I DVR'd it and just finished watching it. A stellar performance by Bill, being his most intense and charming self, of course. Of course. And I know you have said it often, but that guy was A-list leading man material long before Star Trek fame. But Bill aside, it was a damn good movie. I suspect a very good representation of the smaller communities in the southern U.S. as integration was adopted. Looking forward to another year of butt-watching in a manly hero-worship style of way. (laughs) Well, yes, you go, Mike. (laughs) So thanks for that email, Mike. Papa Brewski and look at his butt. (laughs) So I think 
think that's a new phrase that all our male listeners should use. Yeah, so, in, 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 what is it in a manly and hero worshiping style? Yes, exactly. Yes. So that can replace man crush. That's right. So butt watching in a manly hero worship style. <laughs> so funny. That's wonderful. It is. And, and Mike, your comments on the intruder are right on the mark. Spot on. It's true. He was at his most intense and charming self. Mm-hmm. And, and it was. It was just it's a great... It's an excellent movie. Great movie. Okay. So, um, this is totally not Trek-related, but I wanted to tell you anyway. Okay. And, and it's a joke that wasn't mine, which I thought was just so funny. So, um... I, I, we talk about music once in a while, but um, I don't think we've ever talked about this. When I was much younger, I was a huge fan of Queen. They were one of my most mm-hmm. favorite groups. And they were the very first concert I ever saw when I was 12 years old. Oh, my God. My brothers took me to see them, and it was amazing. And, um, and lately, I had rediscovered um, some stuff some early stuff of theirs that had been re-released and I was listening to it. It's like, Oh, I love this music. Like I'd forgotten how much I liked Mm -hmm. it. So I just browsing around the net and finding fan sites and things like that. And I, and I came across the thing that had to exist, even though I didn't know it existed. And there it was, there's a whole community on live journal for queen slash. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. That's what I said. So I was just like, this blew me away. And it turns out that there's Slash for like all these other bands too. And they're all sort of interrelated. They're linked. Anyway, the fact that there are people writing Queen Slash was just really freaky to me. So I was, um, I, this happened at work one morning and I was just sitting with my mouth hanging open. Like, I can't believe this exists. (laughs) And my friend Janine happened to be on I am and we were I aming about something and I told her this and it's funny because she and I actually got to be friends because of Queen and because of Star Trek like 30 years ago and so I, I forwarded her one thing and she's reading it and laughing it because it was so over the top and she said you know this kind of, of fanfic and, and I think this is true of many kinds is not even about the characters that the band members might be when they're on stage, it's more like a cartoon version of who they yes, are. And yes. she said, this kind of slash is really, you should call it Queen, the animated series. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was so funny on so many levels. It's like, it's true. It's it is. True. It's the animated version of them. <laughs> so how does Queen slash compare oh. with Monkey Fick? It is so funny because I read probably five or six different things very quickly. I mean, I wasn't reading them, but um, I found um, I found the single tear rolling down the cheek. <laughs> I found an abundance of vampire stories. Why there are, there were a lot of monkey vampire stories too. And, okay, I don't remember those, but and there have been Trek vampire stories. So there were vampire stories. There were um, there's a lot of death stories. I mean, actually, that's part of queen because freddie's dead and all that so it, it kind of worked there and then you know you see how the different members are cast into those roles so it turns out that brian may is the girl <laughs> is freddie mercury their leader like mike nesmith yes, their leader he is is he referred to that way you know i'm not sh- i think he is actually no. <laughs> so he's the leader but brian is definitely the girl because there- he, he cries a lot <laughs> Does he run into the bathroom and hide? Is he called the littlest queen? No, he's not. (laughs) What do they refer to them? Do they refer to them as queens or or queen guys or band members? You know, I'm not sure. I would have to go do more research on this. Please don't make me do too much research on this. (laughs) But the thing that cracked me up more than anything else is the way that the people have, instead of, they, they don't use pairings. Like, right, it's, it's not KS or whatever. Mm-hmm. They actually take their names and combine them. Oh, no. <laughs> like Brangelina. 
exactly like that. Oh my god. So if it's a Freddie Bryan story, it's called Fryin. <laughs> like Spurk. Exactly like that. So I just had my eyes open to this whole weird little fandom that exists. I wasn't even really looking for it. It just kind of jumped up at me. And there it was. Do you remember the <laughs> memorial concert they did when Freddie Mercury died? I did. And you know what? George Michael was so good. They should have hired him to be his replacement. You know what I remember about it? David Bowie read the Lord's Prayer. That was weird. That was weird. But to me, the weirdest, weirdest part was... Liza Minnelli? Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, he loved Liza Minnelli, so I guess they kind of figured they had to do it. Yeah, to hear We yeah. Are the Champions done Liza style. Uh-huh. Like, it was crazy. No, George Michael was the best. He was the best person, and mm-hmm. I'm so sorry that they never hired him. Anyway, I just had to share that. So well, yeah. for, forever now, whenever I read, like, slash about real people or musical groups, I will always think of it as the animated whatever it is. Cause... <laughs> and I think he probably, I hope only temporarily, ruined Queen for me. So. <laughs> I still like their music. <laughs> well, they have, yeah, a couple songs I, I really love, and my favorite Queen song is Killer Queen. That's a great song. I love that They're song. They're very talented guys. Yeah. Amazing. They came out of nowhere. So, anyhow, I just had to share that because it, it totally flipped me out. And this is me at work. I'm, like, sitting there with my mouth <laughs> hanging open while I'm trying to do other stuff and going, mm-hmm. I can't believe this exists. How very strange. Okay. Okay. Um, I have something to talk about. Okay. Go. I just lost it. Here it is. <laughs> This was um, posted, I don't know, on Yahoo. I'm not sure where it came from. In Minneapolis, um, flirtologist Jill Spiegel has compiled a list of the top flirts. She says, these well-known flirts engage and inspire us. She's the author of Flirting for Success and the Flirtologist's Guide to Dating. Available online, oh, so we could go read that. we should read that. Flirting is connecting with people and life in a genuine, playful, and meaningful way. And here's her list. Now, it's bulleted lists. So you could say, well, maybe this isn't exactly mm-hmm. the order, because at the top of her list is Meredith Vieira from, uh, you know, the Today yeah, Show, You yeah. Speak on the View. Then Jennifer Hudson, and then William Shatner. How could he be third? I don't know. But it, it, here's the description. Actor and game show host who at 75 stars on two TV shows. Why not, he says. <laughs> Flirts are positive thinkers. Absolutely. I mean, he is the most positive of positive thinkers. And the big part of his flirting is exuding that. Yes, that's a wonderful observation. Yes. That is so true. So I just wanted to, to share that. Um, You know, of course, he should be at the top of the list. He should be his own list. <laughs> <laughs> So could we say flirting is another medium that he's conquered? You could almost say he took it to a new level. <laughs> he invented a new type of flirt, flirting, shatting. Shatting. It's like the push-ups thing. There's yeah. regular push-ups, and then there's, there's bill, bill push-ups. push-ups. So there's yep. regular flirting, and then there's bill flirting. Yeah. I think I agree with that. Yep. So I was very, very pleased by that. Okay. Um, now we have something that, um, actually, I was just thinking this kind of counts as homework, Um the commercial. Yes, I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. So, well, you should talk. Since okay, heard I heard this on the radio. I think it was just yesterday or the day before. And, you know, I'm not exactly tuned into commercials, but this one came on, and I'm listening to it, and I'm going, that sounds like Bill. And we know he'll show <laughs> for anything. This was for a razor made by Gillette, 
And I went, that has got to be Bill. So I went and posted to the William Shatner BBS, and I said, I just heard this commercial for Gillette. It sounds just like Bill. Does anybody know if this is true? And Sandy from the fan club posted she heard it too and thought it sounded just like Bill. But we have no confirmation. And the the text sounds like things, you know, Bill would say and everything. Mm -hmm. So... I've since heard it three more times. And it's got to be here. And every time I'm more and more positive. Okay. Well, if you guys have heard this, and, and or if you know, if you know that it's Bill, like, let us know, because we need to know, obviously. Because that would be yet another medium that he's conquered, razor commercials. And our prayer is that, A, it is Bill. <gasps> yes. Doing this shilling for Gillette, and that it becomes so popular that his next one, and I'd like it to be a TV commercial. Oh, yeah. Is Bill shilling for the Venus Vibrance. Oh, would that, that would be so good. Which, those of you who've been with us from the beginning know that was on our very first show, the very first sex toy we ever yes. talked about was the vibrating razor. That's right. And William Shatner shilling for anything that vibrates <laughs> is a very good thing. A very, very good thing. So Indeed. So, we've got to find out if that's really our guy, and yeah. I am pretty sure. I, I, I would not doubt your judgment on this. <laughs> Honestly, if anybody knows whether it's him, it would be you. And him. And, and him. Well, <laughs> no, probably you more than him because he wouldn't remember. Did I do a commercial? This is true. I don't know. Probably. Did it sound like me? Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, it was, it was me. me. It was me. Um, okay. So um, I, I think that's pretty much all of the topical stuff. We probably have a few more things. Oh, there's other things. We'll, we'll get to it. Okay. Yeah. Um, we have some Boston Legal to watch. I have a haiku that I want to read, um, but I, I wanted to just mention um, something that we were going to talk about, but now we're not, but we could talk a little bit about it. Um, so we're continuing to actually watch some of the remastered tracks, mm-hmm. and I had actually taped uh, Where No Man Has Gone Before, and then I taped over it. <laughs> But the idiot. funny thing is, when it was on, I was channel surfing and I came across it, so I did watch it, uh-huh. but then... Um, after it was over, I went and to my computer, and I checked my email, and there's like three emails from you <laughs> saying, I'm taping it, and this is what's going on. And then the next email, and blah, 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 it's wonderful, and it's Mitchell, Mitchell, Mitchell. And then the next one is, do you want me to tell? Oh, please, go ahead. He said, they left the R in. I knew you wanted to know. <laughs> and, of course, that one I had to reply, yes, I, I watched it. So it's okay that you taped over it because we did both get to see it. It's true. And the barrier at the edge of the galaxy is so cool. It's great. I thought this looked amazing. I mean, overall, it was incredible. Um, the color was really good. As you were pointing out, Spock looked really yellow. Yeah, he looked like Spock on The Simpsons. Yeah, so that was a little strange. But <laughs> Simpsons. Simpsons, Spock. But Gary Lockwood looked so good. Oh, my God. And Bill. Oh, and Bill. They looked wonderful. And I... But! Finish your thought. <laughs> I haven't watched that episode... Um, in the last week? No, for a while. <laughs> oh. Actually, for a while. And um, it was sort of different because I think the last time we might have watched it together. Mm-hmm. Or we watched it at a con or, or we watched it in a, in a way that I wasn't really paying attention. And this time I was by myself. It was like, you know, midnight. And I was watching it and I was really watching it. And it struck me what a good episode that is. I was amazed all over again at how good it really is. And how much of... for. It sets up of Star yes. Trek, you know, um, a lot of times if you've watched a show for years and years and you go back and watch the pilot, you go, wow, yeah, that's exactly. nothing like what it grew into. Yeah. And this really was, 
Trek, it was so good that Trek stayed true to those ideas. It was. And, and, you know, of course, there's, you know, weird things. Spock isn't quite Spock. But, right. But, you know, he is at the core. You know, the, the tech stuff isn't quite where it got to later on. But it really set up a situation that should have been what Star Trek was and wasn't in its worst episodes, which is that Kirk makes a decision. He has a very hard decision to make. I was just going to say that um, the character of Kirk is right there. Exactly. From the beginning. You know, charm and hotness, decisive, commander, mm-hmm. charismatic. Yep. Everything. Everything is His there. character is fully formed in the mm-hmm. first episode, which is just an amazing thing to see. Yep. He, he is the way Kirk always was, and it, it's... It's a dramatic episode, but it's not melodramatic, mm-hmm. and it could easily have gone into melodrama oh, yeah. in so many places, and it wasn't. And I thought that the, um, especially the scenes with Mitchell in sickbay, the way he interacts with all the people around him is quite good. I mean, mm-hmm. Lockwood was a really good actor in yes, this episode. Yes, he was. And the way he plays it is, you know, it's it's like you see his his pre-Mitchell personality, but you also see him becoming something else. Right. And um, his sort of dawning realization that that he's being changed and Mm -hmm. and the way he kind of comes to realize his powers in these small bursts. And there there is so much to love in that episode, but one of my favorite moments, because it really annoys me in a lot of fanfic when they write Mitchell, that he's always a prick, he's always a bastard, Mm -hmm. and it's like the the thing that happened to him that made his eyes silver and turned Mm -hmm. him into this demigod and, and horrible person was who he truly was or that he always was that and I've always gone well no he couldn't have been Kirk's best friend you know that there have to be redeeming features to him and one of my favorite moments is the one where he, he goes up against the force field and you know is knocked back and his eyes go back to normal for a moment and he looks and, and he says Jim and the way he says it the whole timing the way it's written mm-hmm. It's a cry for help. Yeah. That inside there is the real Mitchell who does not want to be this. Mm -hmm. And it's such a perfect thing that adds so much dimension to this story and makes Kirk's decision even more heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. I I agree. And he he just has a... I mean, I think that the script writing was excellent, Mm -hmm. but, but Lockwood's reading of those lines... Yes. Is, is so good. And, and I was really impressed when they finally come to confront him in sickbay and... Again, Kirk being real Kirk, he says to him, what would you do if you were me? You know, the fact that he knows that there's a dangerous situation, but yet he's still willing to put that question to Mm -hmm. Mitchell. And Mitchell, who answers him completely honestly, what Spock is thinking right now, I'd kill me. While you still can. While you still can. I was like, oh, this is so good. You know, it's, it's an amazing performance and unfortunately it had the syndication cuts in it that's what i was just gonna say and it has been so long since i've watched the syndicated version you Mm -hmm. know i've always been for a long time now watching it on dvd or whatever that it was just jarring to me to not see certain things especially wonderful moments like i'll squash you (laughs) like like bugs (laughs) but yep so it was it was really really good i cannot wait to get these on dvd now i'm so excited to get them so uh if you didn't see it, <laughs> too bad. bad. <laughs> but you should buy it when it comes out on DVD. <laughs> yes, you should. I also taped Wink of an Eye, and I taped over that. <laughs> so we're not well, I just more. recently watched that um, as part of my yeah. fitness program. Did they add any special effects when he fucked her? Oh, <laughs> I, I did not see the, the remastered version. Oh. 
Well, you taped it. Weren't you watching it? Or no, you just no, taped? I set it to tape because it was on at a stupid time of night. You know, <laughs> a stupid time of I night. I had to tape Journey to Babel because I had taped Actually, over it. Actually, it was on at a time of night when you're stupid. <laughs> Journey to no Babel. offense. Journey to Babel was on at 3 o'clock Sunday morning. That's a stupid time of That's night. That's a stupid time of night. So I didn't get to see it. Okay. So last thing. No, no, wait. I want to oh, talk oh, about this oh, piece sorry. of news. I oh, don't sorry. even know if I sent this to you. CBS announced plans last week, this couple weeks ago, to build a virtual Star Trek environment in Second Life with the possibility of tapping into consumer-generated story ideas for future Star Trek productions. They want fan ideas. Um, the Associated Press uh, said the company is showing unprecedented openness in allowing snippets of its shows to be shown and mashed on the web. Uh-huh. Moonves, or Moonves, however you say his name, said that CBS would embrace technology that would allow viewers to take clips and re-edit them, something fans of Star Trek and other seasons yeah. have been doing anyway for many years in making musical song vids and convention clip shows. If somebody spends the time to take 20 clips from CSI Miami, I think that's wonderful, Moonves told a reporter. That only makes him more involved with my show. My God, how often have we said this about fanfic and want to come to CBS on Monday night and watch my show? And we're going to get paid for the clips this guy takes off our air as well. It's win-win. Moonves said that his wife, Julie Chen, was partly responsible for his recognition of the value of audience repackaged content. You know what that meant, he asked? The fans were involved. They were watching. They were having fun with our content, and it drew in additional audience members. Duh. <laughs> Duh. I remember, what, 10 years ago having that argument online yeah. with um, uh, John... Uh, oh, Ordway? Ordway. Thank- yeah. Ordover. Ordover, sorry. Ordover from uh, Pocket Books, who at that time was in charge of the Star Trek books, and saying how, you know, fanfic has caused me to spend a lot more money on Star sure. Trek things. And, you know, if you're trying to say it's taking money out of your pocket or Paramount's pocket, that's just a stupid lie. But um, it'll be interesting. This makes it sound like they're somehow going to to encourage you to use clips. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily sound like they're going to do a Star Trek series and say, send us your ideas for stories. Although it's kind of interesting. I think they could. Well, I don't know. I, I think if they put out an open call for ideas, the Writers Guild would have something to say about that. That's true. That's true. Wow, that is so Maybe they're just going to go on the web and steal stuff. Uh, like they've probably been doing for years and years now. Yes. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt that. Well, that is interesting. Well, it's nice that they recognize it. Uh, there are so many um, Star Trek music videos on YouTube, mm-hmm. tons and tons of them. And um, I, I, I don't think Paramount has tried to take any of them down. No, but I just heard something about, you know, now that Google has... Actually, no. Now that Google has bought YouTube, uh-huh. I think it is Paramount that said to them, you've got to get all of our really? content off of YouTube. Oh. Okay. So, you know, get out there and look at those things while you can. I'm pretty sure it was Paramount. I think yeah. I read that just last week. Yeah. Um, and you probably didn't hear this on this show, but there is software that lets you download things from YouTube. No. Yeah. Wow. Who is that stranger who just ran in here and said that into the mic and I left? I don't know. It was okay. somebody else. Strange woman. Strange woman. Uh, some, okay. Some some gal. <laughs> okay, now do your last okay, thing. Okay, so this is the last thing. We're going to take a break. Um, this was sent to us by one of our listeners, Chad, and uh, Chad says, Girls, a moment of calm between projects at work. I was struck with this haiku and needed to send it on before forgotten. Here it is. Perched in the big chair, the great expanse before us, third star to the right. 
I love that. Isn't that great? We should encourage him to uh, to like post that on on ASC or something. Yeah, that's a really good one. And uh, the big chair. I love the big yep. chair. Can I read my Kirk haikus? Oh yeah. This uh, this was um, a set of haiku that I wrote, and it's called Five Seven Five. And actually, um, if you are really careful, you will notice that sometimes I get that wrong. So <laughs> counting probably isn't my strong suit. But um, they're all about Kirk. Really? Yeah. Shirt torn to the right. Basket shows he dresses left. Manhood set on stun. (laughs) Captain James T. Kirk seeks strange new worlds and rocks mine. Risk is his business. Jim, darling, says Ruth. Who is this moron, says I. Fast forward through her. I'm going to skip some of them. Kirk fights hand-to-hand. Shoulder roll useless but fun. Flying leg kick wins. (laughs) Dila of Scalos. Kirk on bed, pulling on boot. You know he did her. Marlena Moreau. Sexy in both universes. James T. did them both. (laughs) I like some of these. I haven't read these in years. Amarind Maiden. I bear your child, she tells him. Honeymoon's over. (laughs) Never a Boy Scout. Existence of young David proves he did Carol. (laughs) Beautiful rom-com. Spock had a chance to do her. You know Kirk would have. (laughs) Miss Edith Keeler. Kirk loves her. Car flattens her. (laughs) Stupid guardian. Jillian Taylor, supposedly smart lady, turns down Kirk. Yeah, right. (laughs) Claudius Marcus grants one last hour as a man. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, (laughs) snirk. Beautiful Helen, the Christmas party hottie. She wanted him bad. Dr. Jan Wallace offers Kirk a pity fuck. Oh, please, (laughs) as if. Ex-girlfriend Ariel. Minor action on the bridge. She begged him for it. (laughs) Here's one you'll like. Here's two you'll like. Gary Stud Mitchell. (laughs) Checking out the space chicks. Yeah. I own this starship. (laughs) Mitchell and Kirk fight. Pants tear and show Lockwood's butt. Oh, for an outtake. (laughs) Wow, I wrote a lot of these. It just keeps going, doesn't it? What are little girls made of? Who cares? I'd rather spin the naked Kirks. (laughs) Throbbing and surging. Are you like that, Captain Kirk? All together. Duh! (laughs) Medieval peasants. Klingons. Organians. War. Did I mention tights? (laughs) Stan. To pring. To pow. No, that's not a bebop chant. (laughs) Please pass the (laughs) triox. Oh, God. These are fun. Let's see. Mugato attack. Biker chick has great cure-all. Pervy bones watches. Kirk, training harness. Need I say more? Don't make me describe Shanna. Ew. (laughs) These are fun. Oh, well, here's my favorite. Kirk says spank and brat. Episode 57. Can't type. Hands shaking. <laughs> oh, 
we'll close with this one. Final episode. Biggest EVE ever. Going out in style. That is great. <laughs> anyway, all of those are on um, Invisible Planets, my I, website. But I did read, I think, like 75% of them. I will put up a link to that page because they are so awfully good. Really <laughs> or are. just so awful. No, no, no. They're wonderful. Come on. Star Trek haiku? How could that be a bad thing? That's true. Um, okay. Well, that's like half an hour. So I think maybe we should take a break and watch Boston Legal. And have treats. And have treats. That's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. So um, listen to this and we'll be back in a minute. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. We want to hear from you. Leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. You found the best podcast in the universe. That was a lot of Boston legal. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It was so much Boston legal that I have to tell tell the listeners what happened. I was taping the the most recent episode, and right before the last ten minutes, my tape ran out, and I was going, "What the fuck is going on?" So, you know, I got Lena to download it so we'd have the whole episode to to watch. But I was going, "I must not have fully rewound the tape then when I taped the first one." So we're watching the one I have on tape, and we get to the end of it. And I said, "Okay, I realized why the tape ran out." Because it's three episodes we need to watch, not two. So, yes, we were prepared for two, and it ended up being three. And, you know, just having that psychological thing of thinking we were going to watch two and then watching three made yeah. it seem that much longer. I know. And, but the good thing is, and also the unfortunate thing, because we had to watch three, is all three of them had a lot of Bill. They did. Bill was all over the place. <laughs> so it took so, us a while. Okay. So I, I took notes on the first one, and then the second one I figured we could remember it. And then the third one... <laughs> I just got lazy or something. Well, you're an optimist. I know. Okay, so what happened in the first one? In the one? first one. Note taker. Um, Madam Secretary. The bill plot was that he got put on the do not fly list. Yes. And he decided to uh, bring a lawsuit because they couldn't get him onto the um, people who were on the do not fly list special yes they can fly list. Yes. <laughs> As they called it, I think. In the something episode. like that. Yeah. So that was that. And then we didn't actually watch any of the other plots, so I don't know what happened. I don't remember, and it wasn't important. There's been an ongoing plot about Denise sleeping with the two guys, which then gets extended. Well, we could just, since we're going to talk about it anyway, uh, then she stops sleeping with them, and then she finds out she's pregnant, and it turns out to be Brad's baby, but she's not sure if she's going to have it or not. Right. That was what the very last bit of the third episode was. Yes. And my hope is, because they played it that Jeffrey was hoping to be the father, Uh and now he's disappointed... My hope is that he'll be so disappointed he decides he has to leave the law firm oh, and we never great. see him again. That would be awesome. Um, we noticed, I noticed anyway that when she and Brad were talking about it, they never once used the word abortion. I noticed that too. And then he used the word aborted. aborted yes, but not quite the same thing. I know. And um, I expect more courage from a David Kelly show. And uh, she had them both do a cheek swab thing so she could find out which one was the, the father. And I just wasn't sure if, A, that was even possible when you're only, like, three weeks pregnant or something, 
um, because you can't even have an amniocentesis test until much later in your pregnancy, like three mm-hmm. months. And I don't think it's supposed to be she's three months pregnant, so I don't know what that means. Yeah. Uh, so it, it really looked to me like Simpson science. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you wanted that in six yeah. weeks? Oh, I meant to say six seconds. Um, so that was just stupid. So we'll see. I kind of don't think they're going to let her have an abortion. I don't know. I wish some major TV show would have somebody have an abortion. And have it just be a normal thing. Yeah. And not a trauma. Yeah. Like, okay, I made this decision. It wasn't fun. It's done. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe they will. You never know. Yeah, you never know. Um, okay. So back to Bill. Back to Bill. Um, so Alan was, you know, suing. Mm-hmm. They were on, suing the um, Homeland Security on Denny's behalf. And uh, the greatest courtroom trick was, was hilarious. when the the guy on the stand for Homeland Security w- was saying, well, this is a frivolous lawsuit, and it's just brought by Mr. Crane because he has the money, and you're the type of lawyer who would do that. Mm-hmm. And Alan says, I suppose you're right. Just think of all the people who are on the Do Not Fly list and who cannot afford an attorney. Are there any here today? If there are, please stand up. And the everybody in the, in the <laughs> audience of the courtroom stands up, and then he says every single one of these people is named Denny Crane. These are the ones in the local area because the others couldn't fly here. But it was great. It, it was, was such a wonderful move. It was very, very, very funny. And made the point very, very well. Yeah. And they won, of yes, course. Well, so of Denny course. Crane still undefeated. Which of was course. Good. Uh, I just wanted to point out that the guy who was not the lawyer for Homeland Security, but the actual Homeland Security guy mm-hmm. who was on the stand, who yes. was, was being sort of snarky, um, he does a lot of voiceovers for commercials. I recognized his voice really? instantly. Yeah. Oh, you're good. So I was like, oh, he's done aspirin commercials. <laughs> <laughs> who knew that somebody who works for Homeland Security was doing aspirin commercials, in addition to appearing on yeah, Boston Legal? Yeah, it's true. So it's, I just, again, very interesting where they draw their pool of actors from, uh-huh. a guy who does voiceovers. It's not the movie voiceover guy yeah. who's in those progressive commercials. It's a different guy. Um so that was pretty much that. And Well, uh, except the other thing was the reason Denny couldn't fly or oh, found yes. out he couldn't was he was supposed to be going to Hawaii with Bella, right. and he couldn't go. And so, okay, now he can go, and um, as he's leaving the courtroom, Bethany uh-huh. comes up and says, you know, Denny, I've been thinking I'd like to give it a try again. Can we have dinner tonight? And he says, well, I'm on my way to Hawaii. Oh, with someone? Is it Bella? And he says, yes. And, she, and, you know, she isn't happy and says, okay, fine. I wish you happiness and walks away. And then, of course, in the next shot, she tackles him. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that happens. So that set that up because in the next episode, um, Bella uh, comes to him for legal help because she's being targeted by a, a PETA-like group. And uh, they have to go to court. And, of course, the opposing attorney is Bethany. Yes. So it, it, it's a very, uh, it was actually pretty funny the way they did it, mm-hmm. that uh, it, it wasn't really about the case. It was just about Bethany and Bella attacking each other in court. Because they're both in love with Denny. Because they're both in love with Denny. And it was kind of nice, too, that Denny's partner in the lawsuit was Shirley. Yes. And Shirley was Funny and snarky. She was great. She was really good. And looking beautiful. We both commented on oh, yeah. how good she is looking. Yeah. And um, and part of the, the twist in this was we learned that Denny wanted to dump Bella because he realizes he still has feelings for Bethany. Mm-hmm. Also in this episode, the second one we're on now, 
Paul, this is the strangest <laughs> law firm, as if you didn't know, Paul announced that he had had a morale consultant in who had recommended they have a costume party because this law firm doesn't have enough costume parties. That's right. Not enough parties in general. Oh, right, but they just had the, the Halloween costume party. But anyway, um, and they should all come dressed as someone they admire. Mm-hmm. So, um, Someone whose values they respect. Right. Now, can I just tell you that there was somebody at the party dressed as Marilyn Monroe. How is that, how is that a person you respect whose values you admire? I don't know. I don't get that. I was like, what? What is that? <laughs> and um, and uh, what's her name came dressed as Jennifer Aniston. Well, how is that a person you respect and admire? Right, right. I mean, you know, Paul came as Albert Einstein. Uh-huh, which was good. Which was cool. And uh, uh, Shirley came as Diane Sawyer, which I, I guess was okay. And uh, earlier she had had a, a little scene with Alan where she said, rumor has it that you are planning to come as me and you are not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he does show up as her. And she says, I told you, you, you shouldn't come as me. And he said, well, that's why I came as the doll. <laughs> That, and that was good. Tell them who who Denny came as. And Denny came as Dick Cheney. It's, and, you know, he was in the hunting outfit. He, and he was. had the glasses. And Bill looked good. He did. And I think he looks really cute in glasses. There, there was a lot of gun discharging going on in these three episodes. Yes. Because his, his shotgun went off accidentally and blew a big hole in the roof. Right. And he wanted to shoot the guy from Homeland Security. And he almost shot Bella. That's true. <laughs> yes. Just a lot of guns. Yes. Um, so then they had, uh, the costume party and, uh, oh, oh, so the court case, uh, was sort of a, sort of a split decision, I guess. Right. The judge decided that, um, the Peta group couldn't attack her because that's what inspired this whole thing that they had, um, painted her blue, but they could protest in front of her cosmetics building because it was a public area. So yes, you consider that winning. And, uh, and Denny told, uh, Bella, that mm-hmm. he didn't want to see her anymore. It was actually a very touching scene. It was good. Beautifully played by Bill. Yeah. And well played by Delta Burke. Um, I also really like the scene in which Bella goes to Shirley yes. to say, um, you know I don't like you. <laughs> and they've been sniping at each other through the whole show. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and she says, I really love him. And he really, Denny really wants your approval. So I'm asking you to approve of me. Please. And I thought that was a really touching scene. It was. They both played it really well, and it wasn't over the top. It was Mm -mm. just, it was good. Mm -hmm. It was a good scene. And, of course, at that point, Shirley already knows that Denny plans on dumping her, and she can't say anything. Yes. So she just isn't quite sure. She doesn't really say anything Mm -hmm. at the end of that. So that was good. Um, So, yeah, so he dumps Bella and decides that he wants to get together with Bethany. And I know they did it again, but I still thought it was really funny. When Bethany comes to his office, he he does a very romantic speech, and they use the same gag they had done before, which was that Alan is sitting in the corner holding up giant cue cards so he can read them. But I thought it was funny. Okay. <laughs> um, so she does, and she goes to the costume party with him. Yes. And then uh, and after then. <laughs> the costume party, we had the balcony scene with uh, Denny still dressed as Dick Cheney, and Alan still dressed as Shirley, uh-huh. and they're having their brandy and cigars. And I think they're mostly talking about that he's, you know, getting it back together with uh-huh. Bethany. Uh-huh. And then why don't you describe what, what happened after that? 
Um, Denny is totally uh, taken with Alan dressed as Shirley. Yes. <laughs> and really can't control himself. And and Alan at first finds it very amusing. He chuckles. He says, I'm really driving you crazy, oh. aren't I? And um, the, this was an amazing, amazingly played scene because uh, Alan, of course, is playing it very joking that I'm totally mm-hmm. driving you crazy. And it, Bill played it, it very thoughtful, very open, but very low-key. Mm-hmm. Um in asking him, you know, for one dance. And he's telling him how special Shirley was to uh-huh. him. And, and saying... And he says she was the one. She was the one. And saying, uh, let me just have a little stroll down down memory lane. Uh-huh. And, and Alan's like, you're kidding! And, <laughs> and again, just staying, staying very straight, very sincere with it. You know, Denny is... No, you know, just, just one dance. And, and, uh, and Alan says, one dance and you'll drop it? And he says... Yeah, you know, so, and the music came up, it was the, the Jimmy Durante, um, as time goes by, uh-huh. and so, so they danced, and, uh, and Alan said something like, well, how does it feel dancing with Shirley, mm-hmm. and he says something about, well, some of the bumps are in the wrong place, and Alan very quickly says, the bump you're referring to is your own, uh-huh. which was pretty amazing, it was good, and then they did the little bit of meta at the end mm-hmm. when Bill said, or Denny says, um, imagine if somebody was watching uh, Dick Cheney dancing with Shirley Schmidt, Shirley Schmidt, and Alan says, um, regular viewers wouldn't be surprised. They know that anything goes. Yeah. <laughs> Which was good. Um, what was surprising to me about this scene, though, is all these little, you know, homoerotic things, whatever you want to call it, male relationship uh-huh. stuff that's been going on now for two and a half <laughs> years or something on the show. It's always been Alan making the innuendo, making the sort of approach. Uh-huh. And this time it was totally reversed and it was very weird. It was. And I wonder whether partly it was because Alan was dressed as a woman. Mm-hmm. Because what... He, and he was dressed as the woman. Because we've seen him dressed as a Lennon sister. That's true. Um, but I think... <laughs> This is really going into fanfic land, but um, in Alan's mind, if he is going to have a relationship with Denny, it has to be as him. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, you're so smart. So he doesn't want it to be pretending that he's Shirley because... Yeah. Oh, wow. I never even thought of <laughs> okay. that. That make, No, that makes sense. Just reading into it an awful lot, but... Uh, it, it was very, very interesting, and, and I think it reinforces, uh, what was the title of that article in the paper? It was like, Television's Perfect Couple. Mm-hmm. That if Alan was a woman, it would be a perfect couple. And it, it also points up a little bit, I thought, um, the similarities between Alan's character and Shirley's character. Uh-huh. Because there are some, I think, in sort of uh, the understatedness of, of their characters, that they're both, they're not big, giant personalities the way Denny Crane is a big, mm-hmm. giant personality. And they're also both really, really smart. And I think that's one of the reasons Alan is attracted to Shirley, because she's like him in a lot of ways. Yeah. And that's part of Denny's attraction to both of them as a partner and a friend. I read something recently I've been meaning to share with you. It was an article about the same thing, you know, the, mm-hmm. the male relationship on Boston Legal. And it said, Alan craves Denny's friendship the way Gollum craved the ring. <laughs> <laughs> he wants it, yes. 
I think that's true. I think that's, that's probably true. So you think if he lost any, he'd just wither up and die and fall he over would, the cliff into would. the fire? He and... would, and he'd be happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have to ask you a thought-provoking question, oh. what I hope is a thought-provoking oh, good, question, good. because it's been provoking thoughts in me since I came up with it, and I don't have oh, answers. Sometimes I don't have thoughts, so you never You know. always do. You always do. Okay. I have my thinking cap on. Can you see it? Yeah, and it's lovely. <laughs> Just love the bells um, and the flowers. Okay. Forty years ago, Star Trek. <laughs> okay. I'm happy now. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah, but your brain shut off. I saw that light come on in your eyes. Okay, forty years ago in Star Trek, William Shatner played Captain Kirk. Yes. Which I is remember that. Okay, good. <laughs> One half of the two characters that pretty much inspired the phenomenon phenomenon of Slash. Yes. Now, 40 years later, he's playing Danny Crane Mm -hmm. in another relationship with another male character that is pushing the boundaries of male friendship as it's portrayed on television and in the media. Yes. Do you have any comment on that? Does that, I mean, I'm thinking, is it just the intensity and and the the way Bill approaches roles, or is it just that that this this comes across? I mean, we've talked about that flirting is his way of communication, and it doesn't really matter if it's man or a woman. Or is it a case of lightning striking twice as far as chemistry between actors? But in this case, because it's 40 years later, the writers have a lot more freedom to play with it more openly. I definitely think it's chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, I do think that the writers have a lot more leeway to play with what they're doing right now. Although, um, I think they got away with a lot in Star Trek in a subtle acting way. I don't think the writers were trying to do anything, but I think that Shatner and Nimoy were definitely injecting some, some things. Really? Well, not, not homoerotic things, but, um, making the friendship between Kirk and Spock closer maybe than it was written. Um, now you see, I kind of have the, the opposite feeling cause I don't know, maybe this is apocryphal, but I've always heard the story, you know, that because there was so much animosity and competition mm-hmm. between the two of them at that point for who's the lead, who's getting the most screen time, blah, 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 blah. And uh, that I've heard that Roddenberry was sort of at his wits' end, and at one point was talking to Isaac Asimov. Have you heard this? I think so. Yeah. About it, saying, you know, I don't know what to do. And Asimov said, uh, "The thing you must do to keep it from affecting the show, the viewership, the way it plays, and everything is to to um, tighten that friendship and not allow them to compete for command or anything like that ever in the show." Mm-hmm. And so. For that reason, the friendship came to the forefront as being one of the mm. ma- major elements of the show. So I've always tended to think that the things we see on the screen, yes, Shatner and Nimoy played it very well and brought a lot to it, but I do think it originated in the script. Okay, well... What, what so I, the effect is a combination of yeah, both. I guess what I'm thinking of is that, for me... The, the things about the Kirk-Spock relationship that seemed really special were so many times when you saw them communicating without words, mm-hmm. where, where Kirk and Spock really seemed to be thinking the same thoughts, that, that their working relationship especially was so close mm-hmm. that 
it, it really did seem like they were two halves of a whole, which I think was the intention was to yes. try to do that. But I think as actors, Shatner and Nimoy really managed to pull that off because, you know, everybody's seen lots of different movies or series where it was set up that way, where two characters mm-hmm. were supposed to be, and it never worked because right. they really weren't. And in that case, on Star Trek, I really do think that they managed to pull that off, that whatever the relationship that the characters was to have, the actors really made that come to life and I think intensified it. And that, that's yes. just my subjective yes. impression. You know what else I find kind of ironic is um, it, when they were filming the series, the two of them were not friends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was, as I was saying, a lot of competition and, and jealousy and, and all this sort of thing. But um, this very intense feeling and communication between the two characters is what was coming across on screen. Mm-hmm. And I actually think it comes across much stronger in the TV episodes than it does in the movies. Oh, definitely. And by the time they did the movies, the two men were friends and yeah. were were working together because, you know, I've heard them speak about how they chose to approach certain scenes mm-hmm. and, and, you know, they they worked it together, which I don't think was really true. No, I think in that... In the series. Yeah, I think that that's right. It's a much different relationship in the movies. I mm-hmm. mean, despite... With all of the stuff that happens to Spock aside, it's it's just a different it's a different thing. Yeah, they're more like you know old friends. Like they've they've known each other all their lives, uh-huh. but it it just doesn't have the same intense uniqueness it had. I I agree. It's a lot. It's the intensity in the show. I I think, and that's what makes it so appealing for fanfic writers is that the connection between them is really intense. Mm-hmm. In the show, you know, if if neither of them has anybody else, they have each other. Yes. And I think that's actually slightly different in Boston Legal is that um, each of those characters do have lots of other people mm-hmm. that they have relationships with, that they have friendships with, but none is as special as the thing that they have with each other. Right. Um, and... I, I don't I don't know why... I, I mean, I was thinking about the two halves of the whole thing, and it's actually... It's, it feels different. Like, in Star Trek, either of those characters uh, is okay on their own. They don't need each other. But on Boston Legal, I feel like those two characters really need each other. Mm-hmm. That they complete each other in some way. And I never really felt that about Kirk and Spock. Like, they didn't complete each other, you know? I know exactly what you mean. It, it wasn't like that, but it feels very different on Boston Legal. Like, they really do. Mm-hmm. That that Alan Shore has something that Denny really wanted and needed, and and as you, you know, you were saying about the Gollum thing that, <laughs> that there's something about Denny that Alan really craves, right? And I also think you kind of get the impression in Star Trek that not that Kirk and Spock complete each other, but that each brings out something else yeah. in the other, and. It's almost the opposite with Denny and Alan, that with each other, they become the more distilled version of themselves. Yeah. They're much more honest and open in that relationship than they are yeah, in yeah. any other relationship. Yeah, yeah. There's also, um, sometimes I get this feeling, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but um, with Kirk and Spock, they were they seemed peers, even though Kirk was the captain and Spock mm-hmm. was not. Um, on, on Boston Legal, clearly... Denny is older, richer, much more powerful, fatter, fatter, 
has done everything. And everyone. And everyone. Except Oprah. And I really get the feeling sometimes that Alan thinks Denny knows some secrets about life. And he wants to know those secrets. Yeah. That Denny has some kind of special knowledge because he's done everything and he's seen everything mm-hmm. and he's done everyone. And and he really wants that. Well, also you have um, two things going on there. As you're saying, Denny is the more senior, the older, the richer and everything. But because of Denny's decline, Alan is in general the more capable. Yes, in, in Certainly in the field of law. Yes. And, um, and you know quicker on the pickup and that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But but there's something that Denny has that Alan doesn't, and he mm-hmm. wants that. Mm-hmm. He's attracted to that. Mm-hmm. The moth to the flame. The ring. <laughs> the ring. The one ring. <laughs> the one cock ring. So that scene was really weird with the two of them dancing on the balcony. Uh-huh. It was really weird. And we were both, I, I asked you, and I'm glad you felt the same way. I said, did it look to you like they had done something makeup-wise, you know, prosthetic to uh, James Spader's nose to make it look like Candace yeah. Bergen's, which is very distinctive, and you thought so yeah. too. So that was good. It wasn't just me. No, no. That was that was a really weird scene. Um, so the third episode, uh, what happened in the third episode? Oh, um, it was the judge. Yes. The Henry Gibson judge. Yes. Judge Brown, I think is his yes. name. Um, had gone to get treatment for SASAD, <laughs> which is same-sex attraction, attraction disorder. Disorder, thank you. Um, basically being gay. Gay, yes. But um, his minister had told him, you know, when he told his minister he'd had relationships with men, the minister told him, you have SASAD, you go to this place called New Tomorrows or Better Tomorrows something or something, like and they'll cure you through Bible study and mm-hmm. all this sort of thing, because <laughs> the idea is you're not really attracted to men. You just you, think you are. You just think you are. Well, so he went and he gave him $40,000, and it didn't cure him. Amazing. So he wants to sue, and he has Denny and Alan. And Bethany. And Bethany. They're all there. They're all there, representing him. And, uh... <laughs> I really liked it at the beginning. They involve Bethany because she she does a lot of medical malpractice suits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, she's, and, and so he tells this whole thing, and she says, I've seen a lot of this, and I know what the answer is. And he says, oh, well, well what's going on? She says, you're so gay! <laughs> really good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so the judge, and I know you want to talk oh, about yeah. this, is this this total glam queen and she's filmed in the glam queen that was way. A little, it was funny when she walked in in slow motion when there's a fan blowing in her hair. Like yeah, and apparently Alan had a prior sexual relationship with her many years later and wants to start this up again. So here's the thing I didn't like about that. Yes. Um, so they established right away that they had this one or two night stand or whatever a long time ago. And I was even wondering if she had been briefly a character on the other show, the practice, the practice. And I don't know who knows, maybe it would be like them to do that though, to bring back an actor Mm -hmm. who had appeared on that show to reprise character. So the thing I didn't like about it is that Alan sees her, recognizes her immediately wants to have another relationship and intimidates her. Mm Mm-hmm embarrasses her and almost threatens her in her chambers mm-hmm. that he wants to resume this relationship or he's going to embarrass her publicly. That's really cruel. I have to tell you. That I'm disturbed glad, me. I'm glad you brought it up because they have been taking Alan's character in this direction that makes me uncomfortable. And we sort of fast forwarded through this, but you saw some of it and it was in, I think the first episode we watched tonight where, um, 
he's going up to Denise and sniffing her. Yeah. And saying, you're having sex. Who are you having sex with? And then later he sniffs her again. You're having sex. I smell bread. And I found that creepy. It was creepy. It was, it was, that whole thing was very creepy. And he's always been, you know, kind of a perv, kind of a, a mm-hmm. deviant. But I don't know, almost in this, this lovable, oh, incorrigible Alan sort of way. But then, yeah, this, this, that on top of the thing with the judge, I felt yeah. exactly the same way. So I, I just thought, how awful, you know, that um, the way that they've written it is that because he's a man and because he's fucked her, he's allowed to scare her by revealing this information. And basically, she's a judge, mm-hmm. and he's putting her in a one-down position yeah. because of the fact that they had sex once. And That's it, wrong. And it's, it's very strange, too, because this show, which has... You know, a woman like Candace Bergen yeah. and the character she's playing and everything is doing something like this. And then also there was a scene in in an earlier episode where um, Claire, um, bitchy do, mm-hmm. is told by another character that she thinks because this firm is a boys club that if she's going to compete with them and get ahead, she has to act and dress like one of the boys when she should be doing it on her own terms. And she's a, a woman and a beautiful woman and a sexual being, and she shouldn't be afraid to dress that way. So in the the next scene, she's wearing a low-cut red dress cut up to here. And I'm thinking one of the few things I liked about her character was she dressed appropriately for yeah. the office. And I like that about Candace Bergen, but yeah. with Candace Bergen, they do it because she's old. Yeah. Denise is always dressed like she's on the prowl. Uh-huh. I, and that was just that those two things I, I agree with you about that but the judge thing really disturbed me and it didn't make it right that it's clear that at the end that she wants to fuck him again too and they mm-hmm. do in her office under the desk that didn't make it okay yeah it really didn't make it okay i having having a man use sex as a threat to a woman is just wrong yeah and to let him get away with it mm-hmm. because they could have had him try to do that, and they could have had her slap him down right away. Yeah. And they didn't. In fact, I noticed in the in the final scene where he makes this subtle threat, she's sitting down and he's standing up. Mm-hmm. So she has to look up at him. Mm-hmm. Clearly, it's like, okay, now we see yep. who's got the power in this situation. Yeah. That's just wrong. Very wrong. Sorry. <laughs> no, I agree with you. So I, I, I did not like that, and I really hope that they don't do anything like that ever again. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the other thing about this episode, it was really in many ways one of the weaker episodes. Um, you know, Alan literally got on his soapbox and did his long yeah. closing. The thing is, his closing was so all over the map in, in spouting, you know, the the political line that they're taking that it really seemed very far from the case. It did, and it was so flip. Yes, and the thing is, they've, they've always done this, you know, used their cases to, to illustrate a current political topic they want to address but they they've done a much smoother job of tying them together before whereas this was just i don't know it was just kind of all over and sloppy it was it was very sloppy you know uh it went from what the case was about which was actually more like a uh it was a medical malpractice case like a fraud case Mm -hmm. they said they were going to do something and they didn't to gay marriage and rights of human beings and religion and Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of other stuff that was all just kind of thrown in there and not really very well tied together. No, no. And then the scene at the end, the balcony scene, which started off amusingly because um, (laughs) 
Denny was on a Segway. Bethany had come in in a Segway at the beginning of the episode, which was actually sort of clever, and then they showed him wheeling around on it uh, on the balcony at the end, which Bill must have been loving. Uh, You know, I was debating. I was thinking, yes, Bill has to be loving it, but then I'm also thinking, Bill is thinking, well, doesn't it fly? Doesn't it flip? This is too tame. Where's the danger in this? So, who knows? Who knows? But we know Bill loves the business, yeah, so, so he, he probably was very, very happy. He was happy to be having business and to be rolling around in a circle. And he had a great little moment in it. You know, he'd he been did. spinning around, you know, going around Alan and going in circles and everything. And he says, this thing is intuitive, which is good because I'm not. And that just sounded like pure Bill. It did. It was wonderful. Now, the thing was, that whole scene at the end, so they got into a long discussion about gay rights. Gay rights. And, wow, it's really raining outside. Um, it sounded like James Spader and Bill Shatner talking mm-hmm. to me. It really did not sound like Alan Shore and Denny Crane talking. Mm-hmm. It seemed under-rehearsed or too much verbiage or they weren't really paying attention and they were thinking about lunch or something. It just wasn't very good. Yeah, it didn't click the way those no, scenes normally click. They each had, like, all this dialogue that they were supposed to be saying and... It, it just, I don't know. They did another lazy thing in this episode. This is basically a lazy episode. I guess that's it, yeah. Because um, there was a nice scene. It was well played where they were, I don't know if they were in Alan's or Denny's office, you know, mid-case, sort of talking about it. And Alan was sitting and, and Denny was laying on the sofa with his eyes oh, yeah, closed yeah. talking about the case. And he's saying, you know, there are two Americas. There's the one that like this and the, the other one, you know, there's the your America, mm-hmm. Alan. And then there's the other one that you know, all these other things. And he said, you need to try this case in that America. And I thought, okay, that is sloppy. And that's part of why I didn't like the big cue card was they repeated a joke and and killed it for me that way. This was a repetition of the New Orleans thing. You've got to, you know, try this in New Orleans. But what made it even worse is Alan then did not, there was no reflection of him having taken that advice or or it having been a, a relevant thing in the case, which was the great thing about the New Orleans one, was we saw Denny still, you know, has it. He's still aware enough of what it takes to win a case and to practice law successfully. And, P.S., they won anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Which, so they totally invalidated that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, It was not a good episode. No, it wasn't. And I don't think it was the actor's fault. I think it was a badly written episode Mm -hmm. on any number of levels. (laughs) Do you know you just quoted Sigourney Weaver Did in I? Galaxy Quest? <laughs> when they're crawling through the ducks. Yes. That was a badly written episode. Whoever wrote it should be shot. Yes, you're right. I am. It's true. So that was kind of disappointing. Yeah. So I hope the next one's better. I hope so, too. We didn't get to see the coming attractions because when we were watching the downloaded version, which doesn't have it. But no. it was in HD and it looked really good. Yeah, it did. <laughs> The widescreen version. So I think I think we've covered. I think we've covered a lot. It. We have. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Denny and Bethany mm-hmm. to see where that little relationship goes. And uh, oh, to see. Well, in the third episode, they did nothing with Alan and, and what's her name, the new lawyer. No. Um, and you know, well, the other thing we wanted to talk about is how long has it been since we saw. Denise and or Brad involved in a law case. Yeah. Well, it's got to be a year. They just hang around the office now. They don't yeah. actually do anything. Well, and so does Jeffrey, and I just assume he hung around the office in a part of the office we never see, where they put that hobbit. <laughs> you know, he can go with the hobbit. But um, 
it, Denise, you know, that's not a character I'm, I'm that thrilled with. But I have grown to really like Brad a lot. And I'm so disappointed to see how little play he's getting. It's true. You know, they should partner him with Denny on a case or with Alan, you know. They totally should. They Brad is really good. As we've said before, when he gets to do some of the comedy stuff, Mark Valley's actually very, very funny. He is. And one of the things that, that was good about the costume party is that both Brad and uh, Salmon Boy showed up in a Buzz Lightyear costume, and they got into, like, a slapping match with each other. Yes. Like, take off the costume. No, you take it off. Which continued through the closing credits. Yes. When they're down in the the quad of the building, like, still slapping each other, going, you take it off. No, yep. you take it off. And they're in these really big costumes, so they can't actually fight with each other. They can just sort of slap, which was good. Yeah, that was So good. that was good. But then, you know, the scene that they have with Brad and talking to Denise and saying, have you thought about preschools yet? And then him getting all uptight and saying, you know, you can't abort that child. And like, Well, that's going to be the next case we see is Brad like, versus oh, Denise. I don't and... care. I don't want to see it. We don't need to see it. And then it's going to turn out she mixed up the swabs. Because remember we talked about she didn't label them. What a moron. Or they're, or they're going to take the easy way out, which is to have her have a miscarriage, which is what they do all the time. And they don't want to deal with the abortion. Maybe issue. Daniel will come back from the dead. Ooh, that'd be cool. It was really his child all along. Yeah. He had ghost sex with her. Oh. Yeah. So, that's the Boston Legal wrap-up. The big wrap-up. Okay, so let's do a little musical break, and then we've got one or two more things to talk about. We do? Yeah, we do. I thought this show was over. No, no, we have another thing. It's going to be short, though. I got a golf game. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just, it's worth it. Okay. Wait, just wait. Cue the music. YouTube by Julia M. Yeah, and it's called yeah. yeah. It's called the only thing. What's the whole description? Can you click the more thing? Okay, it's um music video, music vid about our sexy captain and his true love. Dot dot dot. Well, what his true love is is playing dress up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all and that's one of our true loves about him. Absolutely, is when they play dress up. So um. How many times has it been viewed? Look at that, seventeen hundred times. And it's, have viewed it's, it. it's 
It's so good. So it's really, really good. It's clips from TOS of Kirk dressing up in yep. different costumes and looking so good. Oh yeah, it's really good. And the part that um that I played a lot is like a three second thing. It's about forty seconds in uh-huh. where he's totally you don't see who he's checking out, but he is totally just undressing this woman with his eyes and, and fucking her up, down, and sideways with his eyes and practically licking his chops. <laughs> and it so threw me to see it out of context the first time. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. and I said to Lena, what episode is that? Of course, you knew. Well, it was from Wink of an Eye, and I knew that. Whoops. Because it has the uh, Batman slanty screen thing going on. That's how you can tell. What is that dopey painting on the wall? I never I saw that know. before. It looks like a sand painting. It's one of his nephews. Yeah, there. exactly. You know, it's one of those paint by numbers. So let's just play that moment again. First of all, <laughs> I've got to pause it again. Look at his smile. Look at, Look at him. his dimples. Look at him. Oh! <laughs> it was the eyebrow raise. Oh! And the and the flaring in the nostril. Yep. I mean, it's all happening. You guys got to go look at this, but especially from seconds forty to forty three, it was wonderful. <laughs> and, and you know that scene is right after I believe he puts his boots on. And yeah, and she's coming here and saying, "Do I look a little better now?" And really? he's like, Whoa. And "He's just looking." And you can see it. it's like I so fucked her. <laughs> she was great, and I was better. And look, she can hardly walk <laughs> or something. You know, I mean, he's so pleased with himself. So very pleased with himself. So, so um, do go watch that. It's really good. And do send comments to Julia M. This is uh, yeah. There, there are comments. People have commented. Oh yeah, let's take a look at what what people are saying. There are seven comments. There should be seven thousand. Oh, he's so incredibly <laughs> attractive. <laughs> Um, thanks for the cute vid. Another person says, great clips, but Brian Adams. <laughs> and then the Ultra Ambiguous ID, who I know um, from the Shatner website, oh. said, your clips are really, really good, but needs a different song. Then someone says, leave Brian alone. He's mint, though. Uh, can I still suggest Sharp Dressed oh. Man by ZZ Top? Plus Shatner Rules. <laughs> See, I think that's a good suggestion. Well, and here's the person who put it up. Um, her name on here, but at the beginning of the vid, it says Julia M. But here, her name is Kula Nova. I didn't know that Brian Adams is so unpopular. In Europe, he is quite popular. Thank you for your suggestion. And Shatner rules indeed. And then Ultra Ambiguous ID again says, yummy. And then someone says, absolutely effing brilliant. The Shatner rules. Really good editing on this, too. Well, I want to point out, I like that song. And I like it a hell of a lot better now. And I went and bought it at <laughs> iTunes so that when it comes on, when I'm at the gym, I'm like, dun, dun, dun. There yeah. he is. You guys don't want to see me at the gym when this song comes on. <sighs> playing dress up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sort of a theme we've talked about oh. is the guys playing dress they up. They love it. They just love they it. They love it. The ship's costumer is busy, busy, busy. <laughs> and the ship's embroiderer. Yeah. Yep. They must have had so much fun with those costumes. Well, and I, I hope that uh, Julia M., I mean, it's obvious she had so much fun putting this together. Oh, and yeah. whoever did this is right. You know, so many of the fan vids are kind of embarrassing. There are a few really good ones, and I'd say this is one of them. It and is. I have to leave a comment because I'm so impressed with it. it. It is. It's just, you know, how many minutes long is this thing? It's like three three minutes, 11 seconds. Yeah. Basically, three minutes and 11 seconds of Kirk looking really good and really happy and pretty much really fucking pleased with himself the whole time. And does yeah. it get much better than that? I don't really think Not, it does. Oh, Look here. at him. Look at him. Look at that Let's face. just play the ending, and that'll be the end of the show. Okay. 
Oh. <laughs> he sort of looked into the camera there for a minute, too. Ooh, look at that butt. It ends with a butt, butt shot. shot. Yay. Good work. See? See those pants? <laughs> those, those are the pants. pants. <laughs> I'm telling you, I do that all the time now. It's so crazy. So freaking crazy. Excellent. That was great. Go, okay. go watch that video. All he is. Uh, okay, so okay. that's it for now, and, and we'll be back uh, next time with more. Yes. More. Always more.